<laughs> It'd be pretty lame to do it all and then forget to hit record. Oh, God, that would suck so bad. <laughs> Sandy, come out and play. Welcome to Scatterbrained, episode 16. Hey, what's up, Ian? How's it going? How you doing? I just woke up from a nap, so I'm a little a little woozy. <laughs> How's it going with you? Pretty good. It's a long weekend. I'm just enjoying. Uh, I had to work a little bit, but nothing too crazy. We're still on social media. We topped 100 followers on Twitter, Woo-hoo! so that was kind of cool. Little baby steps, right? As as uh, Bob Wiley would say, baby steps. So we're on hey. Twitter at ScatterbrainPod. And on Instagram at Scatterbane Pod SD, as in San Diego. Cool. So, uh, Havoc. The album called Five. Yeah. You want to start this? Sure. So, they're a thrash metal band from Denver. Yeah. Um, from what I could tell, they formed in 2004. And they've actually had a lot of personnel changes. Yep. I'm not familiar, familiar with them enough to know how that affects... The, the sound from the different albums. Uh, they're presently staffed by David Sanchez on lead vocals and rhythm guitar, Pete Weber on drums, Reese Scruggs on lead guitar, and Brandon Bruce on bass. Um, but yeah, like I said, they've had several bassists, different yeah. drummers and stuff. They lost uh, one of the guitar players, I think, died. Um, yeah, yeah, 2015, yeah. I think the original guitar player died. Yeah, that was first... after he left the band, but yeah. Well, still, you know, his band, if he was one of the original members, their first demo was in 2004, all right? And then another one that was called Thrashcan. In 2005, they released another EP called Murder by Metal. Nice. And then in 2007, around that time, they had a different bassist uh, named Tyler Cantrell, and then a new guy, Rich Tice, on drums. That was the same year they released their first self-released EP called own them all, but PWN, kind of like the online thing. Uh, and then in 2008, they got a new bassist, Jesse De Los Santos. And yeah, awesome. in 2009, they released their fir- first uh, full length called Burn. And then one thing I thought was interesting was that their bass player at the time, or actually their other guitar player, rather, he left right when they were supposed to go on tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're and a three-piece, I believe. Yeah, so they just went on the road with a different guy named Scott Fuller and then eventually hired Pete Weber as their drummer for that time. Actually, he's still a drummer now. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And then in 2010, their guitarist, Sean Chavez, quit the band because they were getting ready to go on tour. Oh, that's the one I was referring to. Yeah. And instead of quitting, Sanchez took up learning all the leads and they played as a trio for a portion of that time until they got uh, Reese Scruggs right. who joined us the new lead guitar so are you familiar with them and how that might have changed their sound or you're not <laughs> um no i started listening to them after burn came out a couple of years actually after burn came out and uh i, I just i just i saw them on you know like on spotify or something and I was, oh, i'll give them a shot and i thought you know i listened to it a bunch of times at the time i thought you know i thought it was okay i thought it was okay that album and then the more i listened to it i, I it felt like uh, this this band has some potential i'm gonna I'm going to kind of pay attention to them. And then when uh, Time Is Up came out in 2011, I listened to the crap out of that album. I don't know if you really listened to them a whole I've, lot before now. or um, I've listened to them. Like I said, I'm just not that not that familiar with them. They just come up, you know, when you hit shuffle or whatever. Yeah, Time Is Up was, Time was, up was awesome. I was like, okay, so so I was right. This band is getting better, and, and they're actually pretty kick-ass. Um, well, they've toured with some big big names, too. Oh, oh yeah. Bidden, Sepultura. Anthrax. Well, that was about that was about the time I think Time Is Up sold so well at that point, or it did so well that um yeah they got a lot of big name shows I think that, that, that's yeah Forbidden who else did they play with Anthrax Sepultura Skeleton, Skeleton Witch Skeleton Witch that's right Death Angel that's right that's right then they immediately put out Point of No Return in 2012 it was just an EP again I listened to the crap out of that too a natural selection in 2013 I thought was uh. Not really a step up, but I listened to it a lot. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, and then in 2017, when they came out with Conformicide, I kind of gave up on them. I thought that was terrible. It really? Was horrible, it was a horrible album. I just I, I listened to it a few times, and I was just kind of – I was actually so disgusted with that album that I just 
I figured I wasn't going to listen to him anymore, ever. What was it you didn't like about it? Just every song was weak. I mean, the production was pretty weak. The guitar sounded tinny. The, the songwriting was crappy. I just, it's just really, I thought it would, I thought they fell off a cliff. Like, what the hell happened? You know, like they're getting better and better. And then they kind of leveled off with a natural selection, but it was still listenable. And then a few years later, they come out with this piece of garbage. I don't know. That's just kind of how I felt. I'm Which sure brings the, us to this one that we're reviewing today, five yeah. or V. I think it's Roman numeral five, right? Yeah, and I just uh, figured, I just figured let's just review it, and I sent you the link to it before I even listened to it, and I was stunned. It's an excellent album. It's oh, fast. It's, they got great guitars and the bass tone. I mean, this one, the bassist really stands out a lot on this album. All the bass players for this band that I've heard so far are just absolutely ripping bass players. Like they're like really next level kind of really good bass players i actually i didn't realize that DeSanto was not with the band anymore i didn't i didn't see that part but this guy's just as good so uh what did you think about the, was there a weak song or did you have a favorite song i mean it could just jump well, to that or did you want to sort of talk about the flow of the album i'm not sure how you wanted to i actually was having week. kind of i was kind of having a hard time deciding if i even had a favorite song it's so good mm-hmm I agree. There's, I don't think there's a throwaway. No. Um, they're all very good. Mm-hmm. They really are. Um, Betrayed by Technology is the first one, then, then Ritual of the Mind are both good songs. And I thought, okay, this this album's actually good. You know, I guess they Betray- got, the sh- they got their the shit. They got their shit back together. It's way better than the last one. So what were you going to say? I said Betrayed by Technology is not the first song, is it? Oh, no, no. no I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, not, not Betrayed by Technology. Post-Truth. And yeah. Fear Campaign Era are the first two songs. Yeah, uh, Betrayed by Technology is one I think the album just gets even better. And then Ritual of the Mind is the, is probably my favorite song with the, the last song. I think those are my two favorites. Uh-huh. So but to it, bring it back to Betrayed by Technology, do you? The one thing that really I liked about that song were the stops that they had scattered throughout the song. Yeah, they like to use all the little tricks and hooks, don't they? Yeah. They do so that in a lot. Of, they do that in a lot of songs. Little little stops with a little bass part, or just the vocals and drums together. You know, and it just sounds cool. It's they're they're catchy. They have a lot of parts that are sort of like, for lack of a better term, sort of like bouncy. You know, I don't know how else to describe it, but kind of like they got that like sort of bouncy rhythm to them. I think part of that might have to do with, to me, you could tell that they listen to a lot of Metallica, and so they kind of have some of those like, uh, I don't know what the word is, Hetfield esque riffs in some some spots. Hmm. I like to think that nobody is influenced by Metallica now, but um, I guess I could see what you're saying. I, I heard, uh, yeah, even like at the beginning, post-Truth Era, that beginning part where it sort of fades in in its intro, it almost reminds me of the beginning of Blackened, in fact. that like Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I choose uh, not to hear I choose not to yeah. hear these things, so. I usually but skip yeah, it. I hear it now. I hear it now in my head, the way it fades in. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, so I usually skip that part because I'm, I'm bored by the long intros, you know? So, well, that that one almost made me wonder if my if I was even connected to my um my internet, my Wi-Fi was screwing up or something because it takes so long to finally where you, to finally hear anything coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it fades in so gradually. It's like, is this album going? What's going on? Yeah, but yeah, that's a really good song. Fear campaign's good. Yeah, I think like you, um, ritual of the mind is one of my favorites. But cosmetic surgery is there too. That's not. That's that's like I said. Every song is good. Every song is good. I mean, there's not really a weak there's not really a weak spot on the album at all. I think, I, yeah, yeah. yeah Pansy, Even the long one, the last, Pansy. the last one. Don't well, do I, it. That's my that's favorite. Minutes. Song. That's my favorite song. That's yeah. that, that one and Ritual of the Mind are my two favorites. I mean, it's almost like I look forward to hearing that song. Even I mean, it's it's really good. Don't do it's a good way to finish the album. It's long, uh, so, but it kind of covers a lot of territory. There's like the clean part that sort of like winds the album down, and then yeah. Kind of, slow heavy part i don't know just kind of a good way of wrapping it up over eight minutes <laughs> yeah it's, it's worth it though it doesn't feel this album does not feel like it's 45 minutes long at all i mean it goes by so quick the many times i've listened to it in the last week it just zips right by and it's almost like man i want to i want to just play that again right now but you know the, the one, once a day rule for me so is hey, it it's 11 tracks in 45 minutes right yeah yeah okay so can i be kind of a can i be kind of a dick here and say something I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> that last, I don't know if we've already recorded that album, or that, that review. Oh, we did record that. No, we, we did. Yeah. Yeah. That one was also around 45 minutes. I think it was 42 minutes, but. Grind bad. That one, I couldn't, 
it was a very different experience. It's yeah. a little too long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the last uh, three or four songs, I'm like, oh, I just want it to end. This one was just like, oh, it already ended. Oh. Yeah, it just flowed better. It flowed it, better. It, it flowed better, and it's just better songwriting. Yeah. Just in general. Hey, did you, um, you know that number six, it's kind of like the intro to, to track seven, uh, Phantom Force, it's Dab Sog? Did you, did you oh, know? Yeah, that's a strange one. I never, I saw that in the track list, but then I never right. really... I don't know if I ever caught it because I don't have any note or anything about it. I, I know that I saw it in the track as, listing. But. As the intro to Phantom Force, read it backwards. Ghost bad. Ghost bad, then Phantom Force. It's like an, it, like an evil spirit, and then the it's building up, and then it leads into the Phantom Force. And then you listen to the lyrics. It's like, oh, I get it now. It's pretty crafty. I don't think I, I caught that. What did you say about that? Say it again. Read, the, read it backwards. Ghost bad. You know, like an evil spirit or something, and then it—it's le- like a lead-in to the Phantom Force. It's only like a minute and fifteen seconds, and it's basically just the intro to Phantom Force. And if you if you read the lyrics, it is about a spirit leading a Phantom Force, as far as I can tell. But I just thought I just thought that's got to be what it is. Otherwise, what is? If you know what Dabsog mean means, you know, I mean, you know what, Ian? Good catch. You're the one that also realized that Alienist was a concept album. No, I thought you. I thought you knew that too, though. No, that not until you brought it up, and then it then it clicked. No. Oh, oh shucks. Oh, anyway. <laughs> so I, I take it, cosmetic surgery is your favorite song. I think so. Yeah, that one. Oh. Yeah. This is this is one time we uh, kind of don't agree. Actually, it's one of my least favorite on the album, if there is one. Maybe the first two songs are kind of my least favorites, but yeah, track four and the last song I think are awesome. I think what I like about cosmetic surgery is it just really highlights the bass. I don't know. That's just like to me, the bass stands out a lot on this album, and so um, it's just, and there's like it's just like heavy. Yeah. You know, so, you know um, when I first heard them, when I first heard "Burned," the one from 2009, um, that was one of the things that really stood out and made me realize that I want to keep listening to these guys, is because the bass player was so. I mean, I know it's a different bass player now, but the bass playing was just so ripping good, and I was like, wow, yeah, this this is something to this is something to keep track of, and. Yeah, I never. I actually thought I was done with this band just because of that last that Conformist album. But man, talk about a rebound! Yeah, I like this one a lot. I would give it. Uh, why don't you go first? I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna give it four and a half stars out of five. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at too. It's a good one. It's about as it's about as good as it gets. Actually, I mean, like, well, for me anyway, the newer Sepultura album and um, and Mofo, you know, th- those are about four and a half star range too for me. So. Oh, hey, I got a couple things. So mofo actually means mold. What? In Portuguese, mold, M-O-L-D, mold. Really? Yeah. So that's a think, different. Do you think that's what they mean? Probably. That sounds more like a metal name, mold. Mold? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. You got, uh, you know, pungent stench and all these uh, bands, right? You have some yeah, creepy... Okay, that's almost like naming your band like Sludge or uh, I don't there know. There is probably a band named Sludge. It's some sure doom metal. <laughs> sure, there is. Yeah. yeah. Probably gonna have so, to look that up next. No, no, thank you. We'll, be, we'll be reviewing Sludge next week. No Sludge metal, thank you. No Sludge metal. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we're having someone on. This are next we? Segment. Yes, we are. Okay. Uh, well, I know. I know you're a, a big stand-up comedy enthusiast. Oh yeah, and we we we've gone and hung out, and watched you know a lot of shows at your house in particular, but all you yeah. know together even at my place, Netflix and different different things, and I believe we've gone to some comedy shows, haven't we? You and no. I? No, no, no. You you and your wife? Yeah, we go all the time uh, when we can. Well, not now, but we go frequently. One of our main ones is Madhouse downtown San Diego. Mm-hmm. But we do like the La Jolla Comedy Store as well, you know, near us, and we've gone gone to other comedy clubs and we travel you know bay area we've done in chicago and stuff and like to do that so this guy is um pretty darn funny dude he's out of hollywood and i saw him down at la jolla comedy store he was opening up for um poly shore poly shore yeah so when was this uh 2018 i think oh, something oh, like that. Kind of recent. okay yeah fairly recently and you know, there's he. 
I don't know, for me, like, there's a lot of good jokes, and you're really good at remembering jokes and stuff, and me, I kind of laugh, and I move on, and don't really remember, you know, most most people, but this guy did a bit yeah. that was just so perfect, the build-up, the story, everything, and the, Which the build-up punchline to the end, the timing was just, the delivery was just perfect, like, that, like, fraction, you know, like, almost the equivalent of, like, how Igor will do, like, those little resets, yeah, it's like one of those, but like for the delivery of the punchline. Of like I'm, dying, the last I'm, punchline. I'm dying to know which joke you're talking about. So you want to save it? I'll ask him. We can ask yeah. him about okay. it. So I'm looking forward to this one. Hopefully uh, we'll hear some funny stuff or hear something interesting about him. And yeah, maybe hear, maybe hear that bit if you can. We'll see. All right. So stay tuned for Sandy Danto, right? Yes, sir. What's up, guys? There he is. Hey, how's it going, Sandy? Good, good. You know, hey. just uh, chilling right now while my daughter naps. I should be napping, but I'm sacrificing my little nap time for you guys. Aw, I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Well, we could keep it kind of quick. Um, yeah. No, so... no, I didn't. I wasn't trying to be passive aggressive. I was trying to show you how much I value you guys. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. I really value you. I was telling Ian, my, this is Dan. Uh, I was telling my, my buddy Ian here um, that I first saw you in, I think it was 2018, when you uh, performed ahead of Polly Shore in La Jolla. And it was, and it was love, love at first sight? Actually, it was only once you described how you shake that, <laughs> that, it yeah. was, that I, uh, dude, that, that, that's that joke. I was telling Ian, so I'm, my wife and I were huge comedy fans. Ian's a huge comedy fan. And I have heard a lot of funny jokes and seen a lot of funny people and some that aren't so funny. But there's very few jokes that really uh, I remember. You know what I mean? And just that one, that one is just the timing. I don't know. The timing and everything was was perfect. It was just like perfect. So that really stuck. And that's why we were uh, talking about people we wanted to try to get on. You as a comic and, you know, we're into comedian. It just seemed like it would be pretty cool to have you on. So. Thanks for that joke. That was really good. <laughs> okay, I feel left out. I feel left out. What's the joke? I talk about sweatpants. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> comic to do a bit about sweatpants, but I've got my own unique point of view about wearing sweatpants. Um, I start. I'm not going to run. It's like it's it's like a few minutes long. I, I won't do the whole bit for you, but I talk about um, how I prefer to wear them in public because no one expects anything from you. And then I go on to talk about how they're meant to be worn without underwear on. You know, because it's a nice, comfortable material. Why wouldn't you want that to be enjoyed by the parts of your body with the most sensitive nerve endings? Mm-hmm. You know, that's defeating the purpose. But you can't go out in public with underwear on because, you know, it's just discourteous to people. Who yeah. have eyes. Um, unless you're like, you know, an Instagram model or something. But still, you know, the, the norms of society are different now. And you can't just be, you know, it's weird. It's like unwanted dick pics, completely unacceptable. <laughs> Go off on a tangent here. Unwanted dick pics, completely unacceptable. Flashing people with your dick, completely unacceptable. Women at concerts who pull their tits out, oh, nobody yeah. has a problem with it. And I'm nope. not saying... The, 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 the double standard isn't cool in this situation, but I'm just saying, like, if so, if a woman cornered you and pulled her tits out, you're not going to the police. <laughs> Probably like, not. Like, we have a different feeling about guys who wear sweatpants without underwear in public than we do about girls who don't wear bras. <laughs> Very true. That, that checks out. And you know what? I don't. We don't need that to change. I'm okay with that. But anyway, the, the, the joke ends with me talking about how I have a friend who's uptight and he's very uncomfortable with even the concept of freeballing, of going commando. He's like, I wouldn't even do that at home by myself. Like, ew, gross, why? And I was like, what are you talking about? Why, why wouldn't you? And he's like, uh, what about when you have to go pee? I'm like, what about it? And he's like... <laughs> Don't you dribble a little? I'm like, no, because I shake until there's I come, and then I don't have to worry about a little bit of 
Oh my god, when you when you set it up with the full setup and the full, you know, everything in the context, man, it was so funny. It was really with that just that timing, that like fraction of a second of delay, the timing was good. So that really stood out. You've done other stuff as well, right? You with Mad T V, did some stuff with Mad T V and um, I did a couple of sketches with them back there with the with Bobby Lee. He he I, I opened for him sometimes. That guy's just the best. He got my first TV appearance, and that's why I was on the show, because of him. Wow. And, um, yeah. I miss that show. I played an Armenian man living in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> how, long have you been, uh, how long have you been doing stand-up? 14 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Yep. It'll be yeah. 14 years this August. Wow. So you're in, you're in L.A.? Are you in L.A.? Yes. yes. Okay. I had and are you... a very brief sojourn in New York. I've never used that word outside of a vocabulary test in high school. So I'm very proud of myself to say that I had a brief sojourn in New York. Um, how, long, was, how long did you stay there? Um, on and off for 18 months. I got into a long distance relationship and now I'm married to that person. Oh, nice. And I have procreated with as well. Indeed, yeah. Yes. So, um, are you from Southern California? No. Um, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit called West Bloomfield. It's got a bad stigma, but I want your listeners to know that no, of West Bloomfield, I'm not like those people. I had to get out as soon as I possibly could. But my, my grandparents, my dad's parents, lived in Orange County, and so I visited them a lot growing up, and there was one time when I was nine that I visited them and I took the train. I flew out to California by myself. I visited my grandparents and uh, I, I took the train down to San Diego. My uncle lived there. He still does. And he like took me surfing and took me to Mission Beach Pier and showed me how cool Southern California was. And I've honestly wanted to live here ever since then. Mm-hmm. So... What brought you out here? Was it was it comedy or what? Um, you know, I've always just really enjoyed smog. <laughs> about it, who needs like beautiful scenery from a mountain view? I I, I, I just wanted to like have all everything obscured. That's um, well, that's cleared up. That's cleared up a little bit like, now, hasn't it? Right, I know it's a real bummer for me. No, yeah, comedy brought me out here. I. I was going to either move to New York or L.A. after college. I went to Indiana University, and uh, I was going to spend my senior year spring break writing cover letters and working on my resume to send out for internships and jobs. And then it was just like one of those uh, serendipitous moments. I met a rabbi at a bar whose brother at the time was the CEO of National Lampoon and she put me in touch with him and he gave me an internship and then internship very shortly after turned into a full-time job with benefits and I worked there the first two and a half years I lived out here until I got laid off and shortly after uh, he and the following CEO went to white collar prison for Doing some uh, shady stuff. Oh, cooking the well, books, maybe. <laughs> you know, in, well, the guy who hired me is a great guy. He was just doing some stuff um, on the financial end because National Lampoon was a publicly traded company mm-hmm. that I guess a lot of companies were doing at the time, and that's why it was part of the lead up to the financial crisis. It was. It's called securities fraud, where you artificially hike up the stock price so oh, people okay. see it going up and want to buy it. It's something that I guess was like a pretty well-known and well-used practice, but he got caught. But then his uh, partner who took over got sent to prison for a Ponzi scheme. I see. So, yeah, I, I got out of the building before it completely burned down. But it was definitely smoldering while I was in there, which was pretty cool. <laughs> Never a dull moment, I guess. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I wish we could have made a reality show while we were there about working there because there was every single day some like B or C list celebrity coming in just to like 
hang out and pitch their mediocre idea like um david faustino coolio um porn ron jeremy was there all the time playmates penthouse pets you name it from the 80s or 90s they were over there on any given day so it sounds like it was definitely an interesting place to be (laughs) had you started doing comedy back east or were you was it something that you took to out here? Like uh... I went to college in Indiana and I started doing sketch and improv there. And I took okay. improv classes over the summer in Detroit. There was a second city there at the time. It's no longer there. Oh. But um, I had started doing stand-up. I, I had read Judy Carter's The Comedy Bible, which is very out of date. But I didn't know that at the time. Um, I was just a bright-eyed college senior with, or college junior rather, with more hope than one should have moving to LA. And I, I spent my senior year writing material and practicing, you know, at parties. So I guess I like kind of did stand up, but it was in a different kind of environment than a comedy club with friends who were drunk and supportive. <laughs> Sure. And I would do and I would do like desk sketches for the local TV show that were basically stand up but like monologue. Mm-hmm. And then once I got to LA and started working at Lampoon, I got my friend was like, You gotta do stand up by my birthday and his birthday was in August. I moved to LA in June and I my first ever open like I did it, the Westwood Bruco, which is no longer there anymore, but it was one of the best places to go. For stand-up and just in general it was awesome it was a really cool bar but uh yeah august 23rd i think is the first 2006 is is the first time i ever did stand-up you know in wow. my yeah so was it, it, I mean, was it nerve-wracking oh yeah of course yeah and i i like did the whole like lame cliche thing i wore a fedora <laughs> it was so it was so cringy <laughs> I got so, drunk before. It was really cringy. So, do you still get nervous when you get up on stage, or does it just get easier every time? Um, Sometimes, if I haven't been up in a while, which I obviously haven't, because yeah, or if there's stakes involved, or if there's somebody I know in the audience, even if there's like that stakes to me, like a family member or a friend, it's like that um, makes you more nervous. Yeah, I hate that. I don't uh-huh. want to do it. But I do, and it's fine, and I do fine. But I just like, who wants to have to showcase for? I mean, if 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 a friend or a family member is coming to see you, you're gonna hang out with them afterward. And no matter gonna, how well yeah. it goes, if you mess up a word or you mess up a joke or something doesn't hit, that's all I'm gonna be thinking about. Right. Even if they don't notice it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of those types of things that didn't go as well, I think everyone probably bombs or has you know higher hopes for something that they try that doesn't quite go so well has there ever been a time where you just get and for me like i should say it like this when i see that happen i've seen comics you know more some of them more than once where i go and i've seen them and it's hilarious and then i go and i see them again you know they go there and they happen to be there and I'm like oh this guy's on he's hilarious he's hilarious and then they're just say they say stuff and it's like to crickets, you know, and I'm like mm-hmm. always, I'm always pulling for them. I always want to laugh and I feel like kind of uncomfortable sometimes for the, you know, just in general when it just falls flat. But then obviously you have to try new things and push the envelope, so to speak, to have those really good things that eventually build into something. Right. Do you, when you have something like that happen, do you have a go-to that would bring it back? Like a, a yeah, fall back on? Or? Yeah. I've got a few just like, I don't like one of them that my go to has been for a while is like, I don't even do comedy. I just came in here to use the shitter. I heard that. I heard that one. It's a good one. I've got a few like that. Yeah. And so that's sort of like a self deprecating in a way, kind of acknowledge it and then laugh and it makes people laugh when you move on, right? I mean, that's kind of how it feels for you when you do that. Yeah, exactly. It kind of respects anything I've fucked up. Yeah. What's your favorite favorite bit or your favorite joke? I presume you're 
you sometimes keep things in for a while and you hone them and then eventually maybe you get tired of it and you don't do it anymore. But do you have like a one that's just currently like your most fun or the funnest for you you like? I have this one that I that I've been doing for maybe well before stand up stopped, which should be the name of a documentary about coronavirus. <laughs> Before stand-up stopped, I had a joke I'd been doing for maybe like three months that finally was like in a good groove about bodybuilders and and more specifically female bodybuilders about like, how is this a phenomenon nobody talks about? That's like, both, both are so weird. Who is ever attracted to... I'm not talking about like your average everyday hunk. I'm not talking about like Chris Hemsworth or Kumail Nanjiani after he got on the cover of Men's Fitness. I'm talking about, like, guys, you're, you're too good for a neck. Like, your shoulders are so big, you can't protect <laughs> your blind spots. Like, your muscles have muscles, and your veins have little muscles that have veins on those. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, like nobody needs a six-pack on their dick. <laughs> like... Like, I'm talking about, like, body, like, professional bodybuilders that look like they're, like, yoked rotisserie chickens. Like, nobody <laughs> needs their skin that color artificially. And nobody needs their muscles that big artificially. Those muscles don't happen naturally. That's right. not a natural phenomenon. You have to be doing steroids for that to happen. So, yeah. but, but at the same time, like, I don't care how vain you are or how shallow you are. No, but like the only people attracted to female bodybuilders are other female bodybuilders. That's it. Why does nobody talk about how, like, especially with all the, the gender fluidity stuff that's going on right now? Like, how is nobody talking about how female bodybuilders are like when the, when the, <laughs> when the gender fluid congeals and hardens? <laughs> when you when you say if you were, were ever to say something like that, that to some people i laugh right i don't take anything too seriously and some people might get uh put off or offended mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting to me to see that at a, a comedy show when yeah why are you there uh, yeah it's like why are you there right we, we're all agreeing we're just coming here to, to hear stuff that's funny maybe it's because i grew up on Spaceballs and other Mel Brooks stuff and Blazing Saddles, you know, and all these things that just threw all that to the wind and just went at it, you know. And so I feel like in a club environment like that where it's all in good jest, it's interesting to me to see people get offended. Have you ever had anyone come up to you after and and approach you and been, hey man, you know that wasn't cool? Or I mean, I've had hecklers do that during the show, and I've also had people do it. Um, come up to me after and say, which like, it's weird. I've had it where people come up to me after and say nice things, but then take issue with certain other things I said. It's like, well, like, I get it. You want to come up and talk and you probably wanted to say something nice, but like, what did you get self-conscious that you were like kissing my ass? You don't have to like, the, I, I, I'd say what I get more often is, like, backhanded compliments. Like what? What would be an example? I mean, the classic is, you were good, too, which sucks. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, people, like, I've got a couple jokes about being Jewish, and those are, those. that's the thing where people, like, have no idea. They think they're being funny, but it's like, oh, you don't know Jewish people, and you say bad shit about Jewish people to your other non-Jewish friends. Yeah. So you're coming up to me and you're, they'll be like, you were pretty good for a Jew or like funny, funny stuff, Jew. Or, you know, like it's like, all right. Uh, weird. Yes. Weird. Weird of you to say it like that. Like, I'm not like uncomfortable or offended, but I'm just like, eh, not the person I want to be spending my time with. Somebody that's gonna like, <laughs> like have a weird vibe like that. Yeah. You know, I think that anything like that, it takes a lot of nerve to get up there and it takes a lot of creativity uh, to think of those things. Anyone can tell a knock knock joke. But when you have the build up to it, like I said, the, the sweatpants bit, 
it's like for me what if it was all the buildup if you just said hey you know my friend said why do you wear sweatpants and i said because i can shake it till i come like that's not funny it's like right, the, the right. whole buildup and so there's a craft to it just like music and everything and so for me if I don't have anything like that to say that's productive, like, oh, that was awesome, and, like, really feel it, I don't want to just say, like, oh, hey, buddy, good job. Why say anything? Do you think it's because they just feel like they should? Yeah, I don't know. They're dicks. Yeah, maybe that's it. You know the worst thing? Like, I don't care what people say to me about me. Heckling obviously sucks during the show, but it's, like, a fun challenge for a lot of comics. Like, I don't mind that because it's a fun challenge, but the worst is when you're doing shows, whether it's your friends on the show too, or just other comics, whether you like them or not, is when somebody comes up to you and they're like, I like you, the, you should have been the headliner, or like, I like you better than, or like, my, like another reason I don't like when my friends or family come, they'll say how great I was, but they'll be like, I really didn't like that second guy. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, it's like, it's not a competition, not everyone's for everybody. Just say something nice and move on. Like I don't, I didn't ask for your review of the show. Yes. Hey, you did a you did a show. I think it was in Canada where there's some altercation in the audience. Um, oh, that was actually in Ontario, California. Oh, Ontario, California. Okay. It was some. Was that a gangbanger or something causing problems? Or I, I didn't really clue into what was going on there. But you you visibly looked a little. Uh, maybe shaken kind of like what the hell is this all about was okay. it, what, did he get kicked out here's what happened it was a year ago almost 11 months ago it was on my daughter's first birthday and i was in ontario california it was on a sunday the last day of a weekend with bobby lee drink for him and all weekend i had been opening up by saying hey, it's great to be here on Ontario. I love it here. Who lives here? Who's on vacation? Because they have an airport and it's like an industrial city with not a lot going on. And so it's funny to me that they have an airport and it was funny to all the people in the audience too. They're like, the idea of vacationing in this very industrial city. And these two guys were like, we are. And then they started flashing gang signs and I was like, Oh shit, we're gang members. Like, you guys are in a gang? That's crazy. Like, and I say this, you know, you asked me before about having something to say to reset the room. When I'm talking to somebody and I want to just move on, I say, I'll fuck you, bro. No, that's right. That's right. And I said that to these guys, and they, (laughs) one of the the first guy gets up and he charges the stage. Oh. And luckily, the the staff got him out of there quickly. And then I go to the other other guy, and I, I'm trying to appeal to him. I'm like, "But we're good, right? Like, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not fucking anybody, man. Like, not even my wife. Like, just be cool, you know? Like, he's like, move on. Say he's he he said both move on and say something. Like, which which is it? You're giving me mixed signals. And then he takes off his shirt, and what I really wanted to say, but held back as to not escalate the situation was if you don't want to fuck, why are you taking your shirt off? Oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been not a good thing, probably. That would have been funny. (laughs) And he jumped over the the row in front of him and tried to rush me on stage. And that's when it all hell broke loose. And I was just trying, I was shaking and I was like, do I take a punch for the laps? Do I just like take this giant, metal mic stand and smash him in the head and potentially get in trouble like i don't want like but luckily it got broken up before anything happened i just go can i be the first to yell world star and the place erupted and then (laughs) keep in mind this was the first five minutes of my set and then i spent the next eight riffing about it and talking about it before i could go back into my own material but i was able to reset the room for for the headliner and so that was cool yeah awesome good job yeah oh but also my mom was in the audience and my brother because they were visiting for my daughter's birthday and they were sitting right behind these two guys and then after the show my mom's like that was so cool how you got your friends to like act that out with you (laughs) that's very real 
Well, it makes more sense to me now because I thought it was in Ontario, Canada. I'm like, why are gang members from L.A. doing in Canada? That doesn't make any sense. So it makes a lot more sense now. But, yeah, it was kind of an uncomfortable thing. It kind of made me nervous. Yeah, made me. I was very nervous in the months leading, the months following that. Sure, probably looking around behind you, right, as you're driving around. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Because for my job, I've got to post where I'm at all the time. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. How do you make that work with being a father? I mean, I presume there's a lot of late nights and you're traveling around. I mean, if you come down to San Diego, where we are, and you you either stay the night or you go back home, I mean, you're, you're not getting home till late. Uh, how, does, how do you make that work? Just power through. I'll get the baby when she wakes up and put on Sesame Street and try to catch a few more minutes of sleep and otherwise just power through. That's right, huh? A little bit of meth and a lot of coffee. I don't know about the meth part, but I'm, in, I'm a coffee's my lifeblood, so I can relate there for sure. So, what do you, you have a lot of time to uh, hang out with your kid now and stuff i presume right since there's not much going on by way of stand-up have you done anything at all um we've we've had uh some guys down here in san diego doing some shows where they're in a parking lot you know they broadcast over like an fm transmitter and people sit in their cars have you had anything like that up there or have you done anything at all or are you just working on stuff at home and i've done absolutely nothing this is the most talking i've even done me and my wife have spent too much time together, nothing to talk about anymore. So we're just silent and lest we have got to talk to the baby. Everything is just, no, um, I've done some Zoom shows and podcasts and live streams, but nothing like parking lot outdoor shows or anything like that over the radio. That's really cool, though. Are, are you going to be, if let's say they were to say, hey, you know, June 1, we're going to let clubs open back up at half capacity. Would you be willing to do that, or would you wait a while and see? Unfortunately, I'm not in a position to turn much down. I'm not Joe Rogan or Dave Chappelle um, or Whitney Cummings. You know, like I'm going out there and looking for the work. The work's not all. You know, work comes and finds me, but you know, I'm not like Netflix isn't. You can you can see my Netflix special on TikTok. You know what I mean, and. Uh, if, if the comedy store opened back up, I would be dying to perform there and I would just take the risk. But that being said, I got offered a gig in Arizona in two weekends and I'm not going, you know, it's just beyond the risk. I think I could look past, past the risk, but, I, you know, Arizona has been open, I think, this entire time. I don't know why a pandemic is politicized. It's really stupid. It's like, yeah. if you're on this side of the political aisle, you don't take the a, a very serious illness seriously. Right. And if you're on this side, you, you take the precautions. It's like so dumb to me. But that being said, that's the reality. And Arizona is from the side, politically the side of the aisle, for the most part, where people don't take it seriously. So that something that you got to take into effect but beyond that my wife works in a hospital i don't want to be putting other people at risk right um i would have to find a babysitter for one and a half of the days that i would be out of town and i don't know who i would get to babysit my daughter at this point like that i know oh yeah for sure has been making good decisions. So mm -hmm. there's just a lot that plays into that for now, as far as traveling, which is my usual main source of income. But if it was a local LA show, because I know people in LA for the most part are taking this seriously, or at least the culture of LA is. And so that would be something I would really look forward to. Yeah, sure. I bet there's a lot of pent up, uh, pent-up energy in that regard, right? You want to get out there and do it. I mean, you obviously like it, and you enjoy that interaction. So I imagine you're missing it like crazy. But that being no. said, you're able to spend some time with your kid too, right? So I, I, been the, That's been the best part, yeah. Yeah. I can relate to what you're saying about the whole childcare thing because we have a nanny for my, my youngest one. She's four, and my first grader, he's 
doesn't have school to go to either, you know, and I got, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to work at home and be fully employed at home, but we have a nanny and it was a, a big thought process to see, to say, well, do we continue? Do we wait and see what's going on? You know, but uh, I think as we're going to have to do with everything, we're just going to at some point have to be prudent, but then have to sort of function in life. Right. Cause what's the alternative? It's, um, it's a weird, weird time that no one ever, it, here's the thing that's, that's weird about it, the weirdest part about it. The last time this happened was 102 years ago. But we've had other epidemics, swine flu, um, Ebola, AIDS. And 102 years ago, it seems like it seems like a long time to us. It's a big number in terms of years. But there are people still alive that lived through that. There was a guy in Italy who had the Spanish flu and coronavirus and, and survived both. Wow. So it, to <laughs> me, this is the funniest thing about all the people, the conspiracy people who think, in air quotes, the elites planned this and did it to depopulate and get everybody to pay for vaccines. It's like, <laughs> how do you how do you think that fuck the government is that smart when they didn't even have a plan for if a, a an illness that was that contagious ran rampant like this? Like, I just don't think the people in government or the government is organized or smart enough to do something like that. Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> how did we not? If a hundred years ago isn't that that long ago, and if it's the, this is the kind of thing that happens every hundred years, how did no, no one in the world seemingly could game plan for something like this? It's the same thing with like natural disasters. We know they're coming, and yet we don't fix our infrastructure, or do anything to prepare. It's just insane to me. All of it. Yeah, I agree. So what do you have in the works uh, for the rest of 2020? I mean, that's presuming that sounds things stay kind of on their trajectory as far as it seems things are starting to relax now and, you know, things are op- starting to open up slowly here in California. I can't imagine that that's doing scatterbrain podcast is the highlight of your Rolodex, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's the highlight. don't don't be so hard on yourself. Pretty high up there for right now. <laughs> well, again, like I said, I appreciate you doing it. What else do you have going on? I was lucky enough. I recorded my album in December. And um, I've been working on the final cuts. I've had the time to do that. And so that should be coming out this summer. And where was that recorded at? At the Punchline in San Francisco, one of the all-time great clubs. Oh, right on. And how are people uh, going to be able to get that? Is it going to be on Netflix, or are you doing it's it? It's going to be. It's going to be everywhere where you can listen to music: Spotify, Spotify Pandora, Spotify. Apple Music, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Uh, you name it, it will be there. And I get paid per play, so just oh, make. Sweet. I'm sure there will be a way to buy it if you want to. But even if you don't, even if you listen to it and you don't like it, just let it play on mute. Over and over and over again. <laughs> but I will do that. So thank you. When does that come out? Um, I'm not. I don't have a release date yet. I'm hoping okay. you know mid midsummer. Do you have a name for it yet? It's called Daddy Boy. Daddy Boy, nice. <laughs> What's the story behind that? Or is that part of the? Is that part of the, the suspense? I don't want to ruin um, anything. There's for a you. lot of material about me and my wife, um, like preparing to have become parents, and. It's just about, it's the contrast because I'm talking about being a dad, but there's a lot of jokes in there about how I'm just not that mature or grown up. So I just like the contrast because, you know, I'm recording, this is my first album and I wanted to use some jokes that I don't necessarily do in heavy rotation anymore, but that I've liked from my career because they don't apply to my life now, you know, but they applied my life when I was single so the contrast of, of my life now and the jokes that I wanted to have in there I just thought daddy boy it's a it's funny when you hear it I think the word daddy is really funny anyway and 
and so is the word boy, and you put them together, and boom, it kind of gives you a visual of what my life is. <laughs> yeah, similar to rings, similar to man child or something, but a little more unusual. Yeah, that's awesome. Right, a little more specific. Yeah. 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 Hey, I have I have one more question. Um, did you actually train your phone to say all that shit? So I wrote that joke, that Siri bit, when I was tripping on mushrooms in the desert. Okay. It was right, before, <laughs> it was right before me and my wife, um, we re-met because we did date in high school and broke up. And then it was right before I went out to New York, and that's when we reacquainted. But I was with my friend and his then girlfriend, now wife, and they were being really affectionate. And I was just like, oh, God, why can't, how can I find somebody just, just for tonight to like right. come and hold me and tell me everything's going to be okay. And then once I wake up in the morning, she's vanished. So I asked Siri for that and she repeated everything that I said. <laughs> and so then I kept asking her for more weird and specific qualities in a woman and she would repeat it but it would be messed up and we were just getting all kinds of good laughs from that and then that went on for like an hour and then I started doing it on stage but then one time there was an Apple update that made it stop doing that and so I recorded it and, and I yeah so that's actually that's actually the Siri the Siri voice saying all that shit then you didn't have yeah. them Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's hilarious. That's one of my favorite bits. I cracked up when I saw it. I'm like, how the hell did he train his phone to do all that? Yeah, no, I, I, there's, a, there's a utility in, um, on, on the computer you can do to, like, dictate it. Oh, okay. Oh, I, see. I, see. I, see. I see. So you punched yeah. it in, you typed it in, and then it just dictated it back. Yeah. But you can choose which voice. As in any voice? There's all different kinds of voices. The only one I really you know, was interested in for these purposes was uh, Siri. I don't, I don't know. I could play around with it. Like, could I pick Sean Connery or something? Oh, I don't know if that's in the library for this. Too specific? Sure okay, yeah. You know, there's deep fakes with porn. Why isn't there with voices, too? Yeah, it'd be awesome. That's a little disconcerting, but that's another that's another topic. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey Sandy, uh, again, I, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's yeah, a really, thank you. Really good time for me, and again, you're hilarious, dude. So thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Is there anything else you want to tell us about? Can people find you on social media? All that good stuff. And you, Sandy Danto, on social media. My podcast, MFers, about being a dad anywhere you listen to podcasts but i just gotta say you know it's always nice to have people reach out out of the blue like you guys did and tell me that you guys like me and want me to be a part of whatever you guys are doing so i really appreciate that i'm really flattered the best in the pandemic and beyond thank you do, sir uh, yeah and do your kids have rat tails you said you'd make sure they had rat tails <laughs> my daughter's hair is it is finally getting to a length where it can be molded into one. <laughs> okay, you're a man of your word then. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Yep. Have a great day. You too. All right, well, that was Sandy Danto. That was fun. Oh, man, that was awesome. Yeah, he's funny. All right, well, join us on the next Scatterbrained, and I will see you later, Dan. All righty, see ya. <laughs> Thank you.